Well, it was wonderful to have um, Abby and Andrew uh, singing for us this morning. And I would like to encourage you, um, as you are watching in, maybe you could sing with them. Uh, that's what we would love to have you do, if possible. I know some of you won't like uh, croaking in your own house uh, trying to sing out, but I'd encourage you to do that at that time. Let me again say to you, you are welcome to the service. Um, please let us know that you're here. If you want to remain anonymous, by all means do. And also just say hi to one another at this time. And do take this time to uh, click the start button again. And let us share out this good news to others, to our friends, to our family, to everybody. We want everyone to know this good news that we have in Jesus. And as I was thinking about the blessings that we have in Jesus, it's amazing as you think about the restrictions and all that is going on right now. It is amazing what happens when your freedom in some ways is taken away from you. In other words, you don't really know what you have until you lose it, do you? And so all of us, we took for granted the fact that we could just travel, out, cycle outside of our house, whatever distance we wanted. We took for granted that you could just hop in the car and, and go wherever you wanted. We took for granted that we could travel in planes wherever we wanted. But now with these restrictions, everything feels so hard. And it seems like um, we don't really know what we had until we lost it. And as I've been thinking about traveling and, and traveling around the world and, and the kind of restrictions that we have right now, I did start to ask that question. Why is it that people do that kind of traveling, the traveling around the world? What is it that they are after? What is it that they are searching for? And, you know, there's many different answers that you could probably give to that, I am sure. Maybe people are just looking for a new adventure or a new thing to do. Maybe they want to experience a new culture or, or speak a new language. But I think what some people are trying to do as they travel the world like this is they are asking one of the big questions in life. And in life, there are really two big questions. One of them is, what is the meaning of life? But the other big question I think people begin to ask as they travel around the world is this, who am I? Many people travel around the world because they are trying to find themselves. And they are then asking that question, well, who am I? And it is a big question. And at some point in our lives, we have to ask that question. But for the Christian. As the Christian asks this question, who am I? They discover something amazing. Because for the Christian, as we were looking at last week, they have turned from their sin, repented of their sin, and they have believed and trusted in Christ by faith. So then when they ask the question, who am I? The answer is this. I am in Christ Jesus. This is who I am. Who am I? I am in Christ Jesus. Now that phrase could simply mean, I am a Christian. 
I am a Christ one. That is who I am. Now, that is an interesting question to answer in Ireland right now, because I am sure that many, if they were asked that question, who are you? Some indeed would say, yes, I am a Christian. But for many people, that would mean many different things. So what does it mean when we answer the question with this answer? I am a Christian. I am in Christ. And what I want you to know when you leave this morning or when you go to another room uh, this morning, what I want you to know as you walk away from this broadcast, what I want you to know is who you really are. Because I think this is what God wants you to know this morning, who you really are. And we see the answer to the question, who am I? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It says this, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When we ask the question, who am I? You see that answer in verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ. So if you have repented of your sin, if you have believed in Jesus Christ by faith, the answer to that question is you are in Christ Jesus. But then we must ask the question, how are you in Christ Jesus? And the answer to that question is also in verse 30. Look at it again. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. And because of him, you are a Christian. And then the question is, well, who is the him referring to? Who is he? And of course, it is referring to God the Father. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. In other words, it wasn't because of ourselves. It was because of the grace of God that we are who we are. It is because of the grace of God that I can answer that question, who am I, with the answer, I am a Christian. And I answer that question, I am a Christian because of God. And it makes it so very clear in the verses beforehand. Chapter 1, verses 26 to 29, it says this. For consider your calling, brothers. Now many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Now many of you were powerful. Now many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being 
my boast in the presence of God. And there are two very encouraging thing, things about those verses that we have just read. Look at who chooses us and look at who he chooses. The first encouraging thing is who chooses us. Verse 27, it tells us, but God chose. And then again, it says God chose. And again, in verse 28, it says God chose. And for us, that is something that is so, so encouraging. And it is so, so good. God chose. God chose. God chose. And then we can say, because of him, I am a Christian. Because of him, I am in Christ. And that is the Christian's story. That is all of our stories. I want you to remember back the time when he chose you. You were not looking for him. I certainly know that for myself. Many of you watching would know my story already. But I know that of myself. I was 15 years old. And at 15 years old, I was interested in three things. Girls, sport, and computer games. Those were the only three things I was looking for. Those were the only three things I was interested in. I was not looking for God, I can assure you. But he found me. When I was lost, I was found by him. He called me. He chose me when I was 15 years old and didn't have any interest in him whatsoever. This is the story of the Christian. In fact, you see this kind of story throughout the Bible. The disciples, some of them, they were just fishing, weren't they, off the shore? And what happened? Jesus came to them. Jesus found them and he went to them and he said, drop your nets and follow me. And immediately they dropped their nets and they followed him. They weren't looking for him. They were fishing, but he found them. So it was with the woman at the well. She was going just to get some water, wasn't she? She wasn't looking for God. She wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus found her and said to her, if you want water, I can give you living water, the living water of life. And so it was with little Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, that little man who climbed up the sycamore tree just to get a look at Jesus. And Jesus walked to the bottom of that tree and he said to Zacchaeus, what did he say according to the song? Zacchaeus, you come down because we are going to your house today. The Lord found him. The Lord chose him. And this is glorious. This is the story of every Christian. And this gives us so much confidence to know who we are. Because if I chose myself, I would doubt my salvation constantly. 
but I can rest assured that I didn't choose me. God chose me. And if God chose me, God will keep me. And as you think back to your story, Christian, were you looking for him? Think back to the day where he found you. Were you looking for him or did he find you? And you will see that he found you. Sometimes in the depths of your sin, reached down and gave you eternal life. And you repented of your sin and you trusted in him by faith because of God. Now, if you're not a Christian this morning and you are watching this, you're probably wondering some of what I am talking about. And I don't blame you for wondering what all of that means. But I want you to think about this just for a second. Just think about this for, for one moment. How random is it right now that you are watching this? How random is this moment right now? I mean, think about all the things that had to happen in order for you to be here right now watching this in this moment. A world pandemic had to happen. And then we as a small little group had to decide that we would go live on Facebook. And then you had to be really bored in order to go on to Facebook because you usually don't use it very much. And then you had to scroll down your feed. And as you were scrolling down your feed, you saw that one of your friends shared this thing. And you knew that they were kind of religious and kind of churchy. So you thought you would click in and see. And so you clicked in and you started watching. And then as you started watching, you kept watching up until this very moment. Now, is that just random chance? Or is God doing something in your life right now to call you to himself? I don't believe what is happening right now in this moment is random chance. I believe it is very possible right now that Jesus, in effect, is coming into your living room and saying, drop your nets now and come and follow me. Stop living for yourself now and come and follow me. Turn from your sin, put your faith in me, and I will give you eternal life. Come and follow me. Maybe right now, in this moment, wouldn't it be marvelous? In this moment, it would just be like God to do something like this. To call you to himself right now. And I believe that is what God could be doing for some of you this morning. Calling on you to trust in him. And you might say to me, well, God could never, ever choose a person like me. But that's the second glorious truth about the verses that I just read. One, it is that God chooses us, and that is deeply encouraging. But the other that you need to see is who God chooses. Look at who God chooses. Verse 27, God chose the foolish. 
God chose the weak. God chose the low and the despised of the world. What that means is that God didn't choose the somebodies of this world. God chose, in effect, the nobodies of this world. And that gives every single one of us some hope. Because I don't know if you realize this already. Your life is probably not going to go down in the history books. Neither is mine. More than likely, we are all going to live an ordinary life in an ordinary home. We are going to die a very ordinary death and then face eternity. But it is possible that our extraordinary God could reach into our ordinary lives and save us. Because those are the very people he chooses to save. Now this does not mean, of course, that he never saves the elites. I mean, Paul was an elite. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a great teacher. He, he knew all his stuff. And yet when God saved him, he counted his eliteness all rubbish. God chooses. And God chooses the weak and the lowly and the despised in this world. And that gives us great hope. And the reason he does all this is verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. The reason he does this is so that we could not say, hey, it was because I was so good or is because of what I did that I was saved. No, we boast in him because he is the one who has done the rescue. The firefighter who rescues the woman from the burning house. When the woman comes to life and breathes again, she does not praise herself. She praises the rescuer. So it is with us. We do not praise ourselves. We boast in him because he has rescued us. And that is so deeply encouraging. Because listen to what it says in verse 30 again. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. This is all because of him. This is why I got Jamie to read Ephesians chapter 2. We are told that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then in verse 4, it says this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with him. By grace you have been saved. Even when we were dead spiritually, he saved us. So Christian, who are you? You are in Christ. And you are in Christ because of him. And if you are not a Christian again this morning, I would ask you to ask that question yourself. Who are you? And if you put your faith in him, 
you too could say, I am in Christ. Because if you are in Christ, here's the amazing truth for those who have put their faith and trust in him, who have turned and repented of their sin. If we have done that, it means that we have blessings in Christ Jesus. So the second question for us to ask is this, not only who am I, but if I am in Christ now, if I am a Christian, what are the blessings that I have? What are the blessings that I have in Christ Jesus? And we read those blessings in verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. And because you are in Christ Jesus, then you have all of these spiritual blessings. And the first blessing you have is this. The blessing of Christ himself. You have the blessing of Christ himself. Verse 30 says, who became to us wisdom from God. We have the blessing of Christ himself, who is wisdom from God. You see, the message of the cross, the cross of Jesus, Jesus' death is foolishness to the people in this world. It is absolute foolishness because when people look at death, they see that death as being bad. So how could we say, how could we possibly say that that death is good? How could we possibly say that a gruesome death in the history of mankind could actually lead to life? How could we say that? That is foolishness to believe in some dead, yes, good moral teacher, but he, He's dead on the cross. How could you trust in him? It is foolishness. And you see, Paul was very aware of this. This is why he said earlier in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23, he said this. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, Christ is foolishness to the world. He is a stumbling block and, and foolishness to the world. But to those of us who are saved, to those of us who are being saved, Christ is the wisdom of God. It makes so much sense to us because we know when we look at that cross, someone has died in my place. Someone has taken away my sin and I am now free. When we look at the empty tomb, we don't just see an empty tomb. We know someone has risen from the dead. And we see that as wisdom from God. And we glory in that. The first blessing that we have in Christ Jesus is Christ himself. When we get Christ himself, oh, what a blessing we have, dear friends. Now, the second blessing we see is the blessing of righteousness. 
who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness. Christ is the righteousness from God. In Christ Jesus, those who have put their faith and trust in Christ Jesus and repented of their sin and been chosen by God, they are then counted as righteous. I want you to imagine, just for a second, that you are looking in a mirror right now. Now, I know many of us don't like looking in mirrors. Do you know why I don't like looking in mirrors? Because I have this image of, of what I think I might look like. And then when I look in a mirror, that's not the image that it brings back to me because the mirror actually tells the truth. My mind tells me lies. I don't know if that happens with some of you. But I want you to imagine that you are looking in a mirror. But this mirror is not just any mirror. It is not a mirror that merely looks at the outside of you. It is a mirror that looks at the inside of you. It is a mirror that looks at your heart. It is a mirror that looks at your soul. Now, when you look at that mirror, what is it that you see? Honestly, when you reflect and when you look at that mirror in your heart and in your soul, what is it that you see? For many of us, what we see is our sin. For many of us, what we see is not good. But for the Christian, do you know what God sees when he looks at your heart and your soul? He sees sins forgiven. He sees a heart that is cleansed. Because he sees the righteousness of Christ. That may not be what you see, but that is what he sees. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Not because of anything that you have done but all because of what he has done. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And the reason I can say this so boldly is not because of myself or not because that is just a nice little picture that I thought about. The reason I can say that so boldly is because of what the Bible tells us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Christ Jesus to become sin, to bear our sin on the cross so that in Christ Jesus, we might not only have our sins forgiven, but we might be counted as righteous before him. So then when we look in the mirror, we do not see our own sin. When we look in the mirror, we see the righteousness of Christ. And that is a glorious blessing and truth. And so we can ask that question that we asked a couple of weeks ago. Who can bring a charge against us? We can answer that question. No one. Why? Because it is God who justifies, not you. It is God who chooses, not you. It is God who makes you righteous, not you. 
It is God who makes you stand clean and holy before him, not you. Therefore, this is a blessing. And so I am reminded of Galatians 20, verse 20, which says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When Christ died, I died. Therefore, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So then when God looks at us, what does he see but the righteousness of Christ? What a glorious blessing. The blessing of Christ, the blessing of righteousness. But also we see in this small little verse, the blessing of sanctification. Who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification. The blessing of sanctification. Now, many of us might not know what that word means. It is quite a big word. But basically, when it is talking about sanctification, it is talking about our holiness. That we are made holy before God. That he sees us as a set apart and devoted to him and holy unto him. But here's the truth for many of us Christians. Many of us, we don't really feel holy, do we? We don't feel sanctified. We don't feel as ones who are without blemish. And let me tell you something. If you were to look at the Corinthians, this church who Paul was writing to, you would not feel that about them either. Because when you look at the church, the Corinthian church, you would feel they're not really a holy people. Why? Because they were boasting in their different leaders. They were a boastful people. That boasting then caused disunity and disruption in the church. Their church was was full of sexual immorality. They abused the Lord's Supper. In their church, they were even taking lawsuits out against themselves. When you would look at the Corinthian church, one word you would not use to describe them is holy. And so if you were writing a letter to them, You would say something like this, dear sinners, you need to stop sinning. But what is amazing about this letter of the Corinthians is how Paul begins the letter and how Paul addresses them. Listen to how he addresses them. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, he says this, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified, in Christ Jesus, and called to be holy. He doesn't write to them saying, dear sinners who are not holy. He writes to them saying, dear sanctified people, who are called to be holy. When we look at their lives, we don't feel they're holy. But this is who they are in Christ. And that is what Paul wants to remind them in this letter. He wants to remind them of who they really are and the blessings that they really have. I don't know, some of you may have uh, teenage children or you have been a teenager yourself. And there comes that moment in every teenager's life where they have to stand before their parents, don't they? With their head down. 
knowing that they have disappointed their parents. This has happened to me a few times in my teenage life. You stand there knowing. And the parents will look at the teenager in almost disbelief at the wrong that they have done. Why? Because they're looking at the teenager saying to themselves and saying to them, this is not who you are. This isn't how I raised you. I didn't raise you to do a thing like that. This is not who you are. And this is Paul's point. In chapter 4, Paul is called this kind of spiritual father to the Corinthians. And what he is doing, in effect, is sitting them down and reminding them, this is not who you are. You are holy. You are in Christ. You are a Christian. You are righteous. You are sanctified. Therefore, that's got to change everything that you do. And so this morning, if you are a Christian and you feel so caught up in your sin, you need to be reminded this morning, this is not who you are. You are called to be holy before him. And you are called holy before him. Because of Jesus Christ. So, we have the blessing of Christ. We have the blessing of righteousness. We have the blessing of sanctification. And finally, we have the blessing of redemption. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. You have the blessing of redemption in Christ Jesus. And what this means is that you have been set free from slavery. When I think of slaves being set free, I think of the story of Harriet Tubman. I watched a documentary on Harriet Tubman a, a couple of years back. I think there's been a film released about her. But Harriet Tubman was an extraordinary woman in the States. She was born to two African-American slave workers. And when she was six years old, she became a slave. And she worked and she worked. And finally, in her late 20s or so, she escaped from her slavery. From the south, she escaped to the north. And when she escaped to the north, you would expect her possibly to continue to look out for herself and try and attempt to live a life of freedom. But do you know what Harriet Tubman did? She returned back to the south time and time again. So she could rescue slaves from their slavery and bring them out to the north. It is attributed to her that hundreds upon hundreds of slaves were released from their slavery because of the work of Harriet Tubman. She risked her life to save people. There is a bounty on her head in the 1800s of about $40,000 
She later died in her 90s. And she was given this nickname. Do you know what her nickname was? Moses. Her nickname was Moses. Why? Because she risked her life to set slaves free. Just like Moses risked his life to set the Egyptians free. But Christ did not risk his life. Christ gave his life to set slaves free. Christ gave his life to set you and me free from the slavery of our sin. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And often we don't feel like we're free. We feel like we still have the chain of sin attached to our ankle. But you need to know this morning as a Christian, you are in Christ. Therefore, he has set you free. He has broken the chain of sin. He has bought you out of your slavery of sin and he has set you free. And my friend this morning, if you are not a Christian, the Bible will tell you you are enslaved to your sin. And the only way for you to be free is if you would believe and trust in Jesus and he would release you from that bondage of your sin. There is a wonderful verse that helps us conclude all of this about the blessings that we have in Christ. We have the blessing of Christ himself. We have the blessing of righteousness, the blessing of sanctification, the blessing of redemption. But Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 tells us something more. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. So if you were to summarize this last 30 minutes or so that I've been blabbing on, if you were to ask the question, what blessings do we have in Christ Jesus? How would you sum this up, Shane? How would you sum it up to tell us what blessings we have in Jesus? What way would you sum that up for us? I would sum it up in this way. What blessings do you have? You have everything. You have everything. According to Ephesians 1 verse 3, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You not only have sanctification, you not only have redemption, you not only have righteousness, but you have every spiritual blessing, which means you are reconciled, which means you have eternal life, which means you have been set free from your sin in Christ Jesus. You have every spiritual blessing in him. And that is why our passage ends with these words. Verse 31. Let the one who boasts 
boast in the Lord. We boast in him because he has given us everything we need for life in godliness. We boast in him because he has given us every spiritual blessing. It is because of God we are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I would encourage you this day to go over this scripture again and again and remind yourself of the blessings that you have in Christ Jesus and walk away today boasting in him, glorying in him because of who he is. One of the other blessings that we have is indeed his mercy. And so what I'd love us to do right now is sing together. His mercy is more. And I would encourage you as a family or as an individual in your home, no matter how awkward this feels, let me encourage you to sing this song. His mercy is more.